You are listening to the teaching podcast of Praise Community Church in Mason City, Iowa. For more information about our church, please visit praisecc.org. Well, we've been uh, in this series we've been calling So Help Me God, and every time I think I'm just about done, I have like about three or four more ideas. Uh, You know, as we were praying uh, this morning before service, uh, Jim kind of really started just praying against the spirit of offense. And man, it just really kind of just like, oh yes, there's just so much offense right now. Um, You know, not just in the church, but uh, in our world and in in our politics. Um, And you know, all of that just has a tendency to kind of start to filter uh, into the church. And uh, so every time I kind of think, oh, I think I'm kind of getting to the end of this, I get kind of some more ideas, you know, that, um, man, there's just so many people uh, walking in a fence. Um, And if you truly have the heart of Christ, if you really truly understand the heart of God, you will understand that uh, uh, we have no right, we have no business walking in any kind of offense at all. And so I think I'm going to kind of uh, hit on that um, one of these Sundays because I think it is an area a lot of us not only need help, but I think we need to kind of begin to recognize and understand and begin to take responsibility for the things that we're allowing ourselves to walk in. Um, the things that we're allowing um, ourselves to be affected by um, because it, it comes at a great cost. And so uh, I just, you know, just put that out there uh, and I'm gonna really, I think, kind of take a Sunday here in the next couple of weeks um, and talk about that because we really, throughout the series, we've been kind of looking at areas and issues where all of us need uh, God's help. Uh, you pick up any newspaper, you watch any uh, news channel, uh, It just seems to be the all too familiar things happening out there. And as you kind of begin to listen to all of that and you kind of begin to take it in, it it, just comes a point where you kind of just start to feel overwhelmed with everything that's kind of going on um, in our our world. You know, we've got children that are being uh, abducted. Uh, The stock market just kind of seems like it's on this never ending roller coaster. You know, terrorism, there's the, you know, wars and, and, uh, you know, the threat of wars in the Middle East. Uh, Companies, you know, on strike or bankruptcy, political upheaval. I mean, there's just this, this mass hysteria over, you know, climate change. We've got gender uh, confusion, political correctness, and I mean, on and on and on it goes. And, and so not only do we individually need God's help, it's very clear our world needs God's help. Some of us, we don't even need to read the newspaper. We don't even need to turn on the television to figure that out or to kind of have this sense of being overwhelmed. Our personal lives alone with all of the demands, the struggles, the challenges that we face on a daily basis, again, that can have a tendency to kind of overwhelm us. We maybe kind of feel like Isaiah who once said, Lord, I am overwhelmed, please 
come to my help. And again, that's what God wants to do. God wants to come to our help. He wants to come to our assistance in every area of our lives. So this morning, I want to kind of talk talk about um, the help that God wants to give us when we feel overwhelmed by the things that are happening to us or the things that maybe are happening around us. And no one provides us with a better example of what it is to be overwhelmed and then how to overcome those feelings of being overwhelmed than Mary, the mother of Jesus. Now, the bulk of her story, her life, that I want to talk about this morning, we find in Luke chapter 1. Now, sadly, the only time we really pay much attention to this particular part of the scripture is during Christmas, because it's there that we find the pregnancy of Mary, the birth of Jesus. But I want you to know there is so much more we can learn, as we're going to see here this morning, than simply about the birth of Christ there in Mary's story in Luke chapter 1. There's a lot to be learned about what we can do when we are kind of on the verge of maybe being overwhelmed. So I want to just kind of share a little bit of her story as recorded there in Luke chapter 1, beginning in verse 20. The following month, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin, Mary, engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to Mary and said, greetings, favored one. The Lord is with you. Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. Don't be frightened, the angel told her, for God has decided to wonderfully bless you. Very soon now you will become pregnant and have a baby boy and you are to name him Jesus. He shall be very great and shall be called the son of God. And the Lord God shall give him the throne of his ancestor, David, and he shall reign over Israel forever, and his kingdom will know no end. Mary asked the angel, but how can this be? How can I have a baby? I am a virgin. The angel replied, the Holy Spirit shall come upon you, and the power of God shall overshadow you. Let me just pause here for a moment. Now, I want you to understand, this is coming from Mary herself. Luke, uh, who was not a disciple of Jesus, Luke is a doctor. And Luke decided to construct a narrative on the life and the ministry of Jesus. Now, because he was not a disciple of Jesus, Luke is really depending upon the stories, uh, the experiences of other people who had walked with, who had, who had known Jesus. So Luke is kind of sitting down with Mary, and he simply says, tell me your story. So he's simply recording what Mary, we're getting this firsthand. This isn't something that was passed down, you know, from person to person to person and things have been added, things have been taken. No, this is Mary's account that Luke is recording here. I don't know why I needed to say that. I just did, okay? (laughs) So this, um, the power of God shall overshadow you so the baby born to you will be utterly holy, the son of God. Furthermore, 
Six months ago, your Aunt Elizabeth, the barren one, they called her, became pregnant in her old age, for every promise from God shall surely come true. Mary said, I am the Lord's servant, and I am willing to do whatever he wants. May everything you said come true. And then the angel disappeared. A few days later, Mary hurried to the highlands of Judea, to the town where Zacharias lived, to visit Elizabeth. At the sound of Mary's greeting, Elizabeth's child leapt within her and was filled with the Holy Spirit. So when all of this is taking place, when all of this kind of unfolds in Mary's life, I want you to understand she's about 13, maybe 14 years old. Now let that just sink in for a moment. A lot of the pictures we'll see of Mary or kind of the things that we'll kind of uh, envision about Mary, we'll kind of put her at a much older age, don't we? But the reality is, as this is all happening, she's probably about 13, maybe 14 years old. She's a young teenager. See, in those days, marriages were prearranged. When Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph, all of this was prearranged by their parents. And so by the time you're 13 or 14 in that culture, you are married. So we're talking about a very young, peasant, teenage girl here. And her story is, is that one day this angel shows up and says, I know you've never been intimately involved with any man, but you're pregnant, and inside of you is the Son of God, the promised Redeemer. Wow. Try to put yourself as much as you can in Mary's shoes. How would you react to that kind of an announcement? I can imagine Mary maybe kind of thinking in her mind, and and she's kind of, you know, trying to process all of this. How am I ever going to explain this to anyone? How is this ever going to make sense to anyone? I mean, I can imagine Mary kind of thinking, how in the world am I going to explain this to Joseph? I'm, I'm pregnant, but it's not what you think. How would she explain this to her, her parents? I'm pregnant, but, but God's the father. Yeah, Right. So Mary's kind of thinking through all of the implications of this news that the angel has given to her. And she's probably thinking, you know what, Joseph, he's probably going to leave me. My parents, they're going to doubt me. The community, they're, they're probably going to disgrace me. My reputation is going to be in shatters because, again, back in this day, you could be stoned to death for immorality. So Mary's kind of thinking, you know, I may even lose my life. And again, she's just a 13, 14-year-old, young, teenage girl. And the Bible says she's very confused and disturbed and perplexed by this. No surprise there, right? There's a better word for this. She's overwhelmed. Think about what she could be dealing with. I mean, first there's the fear of criticism, What's everybody going to think? 
There's the fear of the unknown, the fear of the supernatural. How is God going to do this? How is this even possible? What's going to happen to my body? There's the fear of inadequacy. Again, she's 13, 14 years old. How am I ever going to be mother to the son of God? What all is going to be involved? How am I even going to begin to provide for this baby? Again, I'm sure Mary is overwhelmed. And so it raises the question, what do you do when you're overwhelmed? What do you do when you find yourself in a situation where you just feel like you're in over your head? Well, I want to suggest to you to do the same thing Mary did. Doesn't matter whether you're overwhelmed by debt, whether you're overwhelmed by your job, whether you're overwhelmed with your health, whether you're overwhelmed in relationships. You just do the same three things Mary did when she got overwhelmed. And the very first thing that you've got to be able to do is you gotta let go of your need to control the situation. She is in a situation she's clearly in over her head. And again, our tendency is to kind of begin to think, how am I going to handle all this? How am I going to deal with all of this? And see, typically, the more out of control we feel, the more overwhelmed we're going to feel, and the more we are going to try to redouble our efforts to control what feels out of control. The more out of control we feel, the more we are going to feel that need to just, again, hunker down, get control of this. We'll redouble our efforts to try to control it even more. We hyper-control or we'll micromanage. We'll use force if necessary. We'll use willpower, anything to make it work. So much of the stress in our lives is caused by, again, this desire to micromanage everything, to control everyone, to kind of be the manager, the overseer of the universe. And the more you try, the harder you try to control the things that are uncontrollable in your life, the more overwhelmed you are going to feel. One truth we need to embrace and recognize is most of your life is out of your control. And most of life is beyond figuring it out. How many of you have figured that one out already? How many of you are in the middle of trying to figure that one? Yeah. The Bible calls life a mystery for a reason. God not only delights in revealing things, but the Bible says God also chooses to conceal certain things as well. God reveals certain things. He conceals other things. God intentionally doesn't tell us certain things about life. Why does he do that? To force us to rely upon him to come to him, to commune with him, to pray to him, to look to him for help, for wisdom, for guidance. And so there's just some things you're never gonna figure out on your own. God designed it that way. 
And every time you're trying to figure it out on your own, to go it on your own, you are going to become frustrated and you're going to become overwhelmed because God never designed life for you to go it alone without him. And that's why, again, we've got to let go of this need, this desire that I've got to be in control of it all. In Luke chapter 1, verse 34 and 37, Mary asked the angel after she heard this great big news, here was her response, but how? But how? But how can I have a baby? I am a virgin. And the angel replied, nothing is impossible with God. Again, this is the typical reaction of the typical response whenever we feel overwhelmed and out of control, but how? But how? We often respond to the things God wants to do in our lives with that same response, but how? How in the world am I going to get it all done? But how in the world am I going to make that payment? How in the world am I going to solve that problem? But how in the world am I ever going to get that relationship fixed? We ask but how questions all the time. Mary did not doubt what God had said to the angel. She did not doubt what was going to happen. She was just perplexed. She didn't say when the angel said, you're going to be the mother to the son of God. She didn't go, no way. Rather, Mary said, wow, how? Can I tell you, there's a big difference between no way and how? Wow. Big difference between but how and wow, how? It's a good question. Mary's going, how could a virgin, a woman who's never been intimate with another man, how can she have a baby? It's a good question. As a matter of fact, people are still asking that question over 2,000 years later. We're still scratching our heads going, how did that happen? The angel's response, he does not give her any detailed explanation of how God was going to do it. He just says, is anything too hard for God? It's a rhetorical question. No, God can do anything God needs to do. God can do anything God wants to do. Everything that is impossible with us is possible with God. So the angel just kind of says to Mary, in other words, don't sweat it. God's got this. You just need to let go of your desire to understand everything and to control the situation. Here's something important to think about. Whatever is bugging you in your life right now, it's bugging you because you can't control it. Whoever is bugging you right now in your life, is bugging you because you can't control him or her or them. Personal application here. What's bugging you? 
Who's bugging you right now in your life? Who's driving you crazy? What's driving you crazy? Can I tell you the reason it's bugging you, the reason it's driving you crazy is because you can't control it and you want to. Oh, baby, you want to. But you need to recognize that although it may be out of your control, it may be beyond your ability to do anything about it, I want you to know it's not beyond God's control. It's not beyond God's ability to do something about it. See, Mary understood this. She, she resolved that quickly. And when she did, she stopped worrying and she just started trusting. She relaxed and her response was pure. It was instant. It was beautiful. And it was simple. Here's what she said when the angel said, God will do this. It, it is nothing impossible with God. Mary says in verse 38, I am the Lord's servant. I am willing to accept whatever he wants. Hear the submission there. There is this attitude of surrender. I am willing to surrender, to accept whatever God wants. May everything you have said come true. Isn't that beautiful? It's simple. Again, this is the first step that you need to take if you're really looking for peace in the places where you're overwhelmed. If you're in a place of being overwhelmed and you're looking for that place of peace, this is the first step. I don't care what it is that overwhelms you. The first step toward peace, the first step out of being overwhelmed into peace is let it go. Let control go. Let God handle it. Mary very quickly says, I can't understand this. I can't control this. I yield to God. I surrender to God. I give it to him. And there's a word for that. We call that faith. Mary's responding to God's plan in her life by faith. She's simply saying, okay, God, I don't understand all this. I don't know what you're doing. I don't know how you're going to do all of this, but I trust you to do it. I trust you to take care of every detail in, a, in making this happen. That's a hard thing to do, isn't it? We talk about it. I can talk about it. I can make it sound easy. But man, when you're in that place where, where you got to let go of control and you just got to trust God to do it, it's a hard thing to do. Let's admit it. Some of us here this morning, we are control freaks. You have this innate desire to control everything and everybody because you know you'd make it better. I'd make it a better world. I'd make it a better life if you'd just listen to me, if you'll just do it my way. If everybody else would just let you rule the world, oh, what a beautiful place it would be. Sunshine, rainbows, lollipops, unicorns, 
life would be grand. Again, you just have this innate need, this desire to control everybody and everything. And when you look at things you can't control or hear of things you can't control, it just bugs you to no end. What is wrong with people? Again, you just have this need to control others, to control events. Here's a verse for you. God put it in there just for you. Proverbs 3, 5, trust God from the bottom of your heart. Don't try to figure out everything on your own. God said, it's okay to let it go. It's okay to not be in control. I got it. I'm in control. I'm taking care of things. So rest, so relax. We don't have to figure everything out. Again, that's one of the most important lessons in life. I'm here this morning to release you from responsibility of obligation of trying to figure everything out. You can't. If you try to figure out God, you are going to be severely frustrated because God cannot fully and totally be figured out. Let me tell you this. If you've got God totally, completely figured out, you don't know God, okay? He's much bigger than our little brains can handle. And every time you try to figure out why God does what he does, you're going to be disappointed, frustrated, and overwhelmed because God is not completely figure-outable. That is a word, right, Nancy? Okay, good. Jim gets away with awesomer. I mean, I should be able to get away with figure-outable. Again, God's just, you can't figure God out. And every time you try to, you're just going to get disappointed and frustrated and you're just going to feel overwhelmed. You've got to let it go. Again, let's look at another promise of God. This one from Psalm 138.8. And I want you to notice there, it doesn't say that uh, the Lord will work out my plans for my life. I'll tell God this is what I want to have happen. This is what I want God to do and God will do it. That's not what it says. Nor does it say the Lord will work out the plans I want for my life. It says the Lord will work out whose plans? His plans. There are three facts you need to know about God's plan for your life. First is God's plans always, always, always bigger than your plan because God has a much bigger perspective I'm sure as Mary and Joseph kind of talked about their life after the engagement, I'm sure all that Mary and Joseph really wanted was, you know, just to settle down, get married, put some meat in the crock pot, raise a family. They just kind of wanted to have a happy, comfortable life. And God breaks in and says, no, I got a much bigger plan for your life, Mary and Joseph. I want to bless the whole world through you. Now, you've got to admit, that's a slightly better plan God had for Mary's life than probably Mary had for Mary's life. So again, we have no idea how much God wants to bless us 
how much God wants to use us to be a blessing in the life of others. And oftentimes, we just limit God severely. Again, you have no idea what God would do with your life if it was just wholly, completely, totally surrendered to him. Not just a part of your life, not just your Sunday morning life, but all of your life, every part of your life, every fiber of your being, your belonging, if you would just give that to God and just say, God, like Mary, whatever you want to do in my life, whatever you want to do through me, may your plans, may your purposes come to be in my life. God's plans are always bigger than our own. Second one, I'm just going to preface this. Most of you are not going to like this, okay? Most of you are just going to wish I'd skip over this point and go on to the third one, but I'm not. God's plan is often more painful. We don't like that. We don't want to hear that, but it's true. God's plan is is often more painful. Sometimes it's harder. Sometimes it's difficult. Sometimes it is confusing. How many of you have experienced that? Yeah. Often it doesn't make sense. It certainly didn't make sense to Mary. The plan God had for Mary's life was much more difficult and harder than the one I'm sure she envisioned. Can you imagine the difficulty of facing the gossip that she did as an unmarried mother who's going around claiming God is the father? Ruthless, heartless criticism that none of us could imagine or withstand. And then when she was pregnant, she had to travel on a donkey a long journey to Bethlehem, days, I mean, just days before she's about to give birth. Now, I'm just wondering if there are any mothers in here that would like to maybe just confirm how difficult something like that would have been. Nine months pregnant, you take a donkey ride over a long, bumpy road, many miles, taking probably at least two or three days. Would you agree that would probably be a hard thing to do? And then you're going to deliver your first baby without your mother, without a midwife, without a hospital or doctor's. As a matter of fact, you're going to deliver that baby yourself as a 13, maybe 14-year-old girl in a stable with barnyard animals surrounding you. Again, how many of you would agree that would be hard? I'm sure Mary must have thought a thousand times, why, God, why does this have to be so difficult? Why does this have to be so hard? I surrendered to your plan why does it have to be this way? Because God was fulfilling a promise he had made thousands of years before when he had said the Messiah will be born in Bethlehem. 
Now see, again, I'm sure from Mary's point of view, this kind of was just all of a sudden, out of nowhere, comes this angel with this announcement and this plan. She may have even kind of felt like she's being ambushed by God. That God said, out of all the little peasant girls, 13, 14 years old, I pick you, Mary, in Nazareth. You are my choice. You are going to be the vehicle that I use to bless the whole world. Again, to Mary, it probably kind of looked like something that was just a suddenly, a surprise, a spontaneous event. But you got to understand, God had this plan before the earth was even formed. As you read the Bible, you see all the genealogies have been traced back all the way to Adam that the Messiah would be born in the lineage of David. This was no accident. This was no suddenly. This was no spontaneous event. God had planned what was gonna happen to Mary thousands, if not millions, or in all eternity before it ever happened. I want you to understand nothing in your life is an accident. Nothing. There is, there can be a purpose behind every problem, every struggle. You just have to decide. Nothing that happens in your life ever surprises God. Nothing. You mean, pastor, that really dumb thing I did? Yeah. That stupid thing I said? Yeah. Nothing surprises God. There was a, I, I've told this story often, and I, I think about this all the time. As I was going through everything that I went through a year ago, and all of it was a, my, my own stupidity, I just kept thinking of that song Misty Edwards sang, and it's a song that she wrote, and, and it's the Lord speaking to her, and, and, and the song in it, she, she's saying to the Lord, um, you knew what you were getting into when you called me. You knew exactly who I was. You knew exactly what I would do. You knew exactly what you were getting into when you called me. Man, I went back to that song so many times and just thought and thought about that. God, you knew what you were getting into when you called me. So nothing that happens in your life ever surprises God. He knew everything that was gonna happen in your life before it happened, even the bad stuff. Now, he doesn't cause the bad stuff, but he can use it, and he will use it. He's committed. And only God is able to take all of the bad, the stupid stuff that we do and bring good out of it. Again, the question is, are you willing to take all those broken pieces, those mistakes, those failures, those shortcomings, take all of those broken pieces stupid choices, stupid things you said, and just said, here, God, I can't do anything with this. It's wrecking me. But God, I believe you are able to take all things and bring it and use it together for good to those who love you, to those who are called according to your purpose. I love you. I'm called according to your purpose. Take it, use it, 
I can't do anything with it. It's wrecking me. Did God bring good out of the crucifixion of Jesus? Oh, you bet he did. Did bad things happen to Jesus? Yeah. Did God stop it? No. God had a plan. God had a purpose for that. So God's plan for your life, it is going to be harder. It's going to be difficult. It is going to be painful. I don't like it. You don't like it. But it's the way it is. And God's not picking on you. That's why he let those things happen to his son, Jesus. He's not playing favorites. He didn't protect Jesus, keep Jesus in a little bubble because that's my son, that's my boy. He said, no, I'm gonna let him go through all that he went through so it'll kind of give you perspective when you go through it as well. Third, God's plan for your life is always better. It's always bigger, it's always better. Can we cooperate and we just surrender to God's plan, God's purposes for our, our lives, we're gonna stop being overwhelmed. God looks at our lives from an eternal perspective. We don't oftentimes. We get so locked into time. But God looks and he just sees your life from an eternal perspective. He sees your life as having no beginning and no end. All we know is a beginning and someday there will come an end. The summary of my life. Thank you. God sees it from a much bigger eternal perspective. And God is always going to sacrifice the short-term comfort in your life in order to gain the long-term glory. God will sacrifice short-term comfort in order to build in you the character of his son, Jesus Christ. He is committed to conforming every one of us more and more and more into the image of his son, Jesus. In other words, God is working all things in your life, the good, the bad, to make you more and more like his son, Jesus and rather than trying to control it, we just need to surrender and cooperate with what God is doing. God is interested in preparing you, and God is at work right now in your life today, this moment. God is doing everything he's doing right now because he's preparing you for eternity. Some of you just think that, that you know, God's just kind of abandoned me or, or you know, uh, um, my 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 goal is I'm, I'm just someday going to die. I mean, that, that is so limited. I might add morbid, uh, but it's very limited. But God has a much bigger picture, much greater plan for your life. He knows what's best. He knows what's good. And he loves you unconditionally. That's why, you know, being overwhelmed sometimes can actually be good for you because, again, it just at some point, it just throws you to your knees, and you just finally simply say, God, I'm going to have to depend on you. I can't do this. I can't control this. And God, I'm going to have to trust you. I'm going to have to look to you because I believe you can and you will. And God says, that's exactly where I want you. I'm not going to have time to get into the other two, but the uh, 
Second thing you need to do when you feel overwhelmed, uh, and uh, I'll pick it up here next week. How's that? I, I know I, everybody gets on me for doing this, where I just throw out the talking points, but don't say anything. So we'll pick it up here again. Uh, we'll talk about number two and three um, in terms of what we do when we get overwhelmed, because, man, Mary lived a life. She understood being overwhelmed. She also gives us kind of the template um, of what do we do? How do we respond when we get overwhelmed? And, and her response, it, it's just, it's like I said, it's beautiful. Uh, it's trusting and it's very, very simple. We like simple, don't we? I do. Uh, the simpler it is, the better it is uh, for me. So again, Father, we just thank you for the seeds that have been planted. Father, only you can look at every heart, every life, and God, see where we are in this and what we need. So God, this morning, we just look to you. And Father, we just ask, Lord, you'll take what has begun here this morning, those seeds that have been planted in God, you'll just kind of begin to work it into the soil of our heart, that God, you'll breathe upon that, God, you'll water that by your Holy Spirit this morning, that God, it's just gonna begin to take root and to grow and to begin to produce fruit in our lives. And so Father, we ask for that this morning. We ask that because it's according to your word. This is what your word says you want to do is you're planting seed this morning. You're breaking up that hard ground of our heart that, God, we might be able to receive the word of God, the seed of God, which is the word. And so, Father, we just ask, Lord, that you'd come and just break up that follow, break up that hard ground in our heart that the seed might penetrate, that it might begin to grow and to produce fruit. We thank you for all of this. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You are listening to the teaching podcast of Praise Community Church in Mason City, Iowa. For more information about our church, please visit praisecc.org. Community Church, including gathering times and events, please visit us at praisecc.org.